Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Gwinnett Sports Podcast. Uh, on the uh, at the Gwinnett Daily Post is Taylor Dimon alongside sports editor Will Hammock. We're recapping round two of the uh, GHSA football state playoffs in Gwinnett County, where we had uh, a few thrillers, a few team of our teams on the losing end of some games. Um, but uh, all in all, we're coming out with six teams moving on now to the quarterfinals. So uh, one in Class 5A, Buford. Uh, two in Class 6A, I think maybe if you look back, we'd be surprised at the Class 6A teams at the beginning of the season. Both of them were at least still in it, but uh, Lanier and DeCule are moving on. And now, uh, so that leaves us with three teams from Class 7A, I suppose. So Archer, Grayson, and uh, North Gwinnett. Uh, starting off, we'll just kind of go into the game that uh, I was covering on Friday, the Archer at Parkview. You, you, you might have gotten to catch that on G, uh, GP at, or GPB on Friday night. Um, I kind of wish I had because of there was a play at the end of this game that is kind of being taken away as a controversial play. There's a lot of things, and you can talk to Coach Godfrey. If you don't know the result, Archer won 36-29, to 29, uh, scoring a touchdown within... I think the last two minutes of the game, uh, Parkview starts driving, has about fourth and seven, uh, pass to Malik Washington, who makes a one-handed catch, and I would say that that was incredible, except he's ma- he made like four of those in the game. Um, so nothing really new from him, but looked like from our angle that he might have gotten the first down and is marked a little bit short, but it's hard for me to actually really tell looking back because, you know, maybe your mind plays tricks on you a little bit. I tend to, in those situations, look at where the referees are because the sideline guys are going to line up with where they think the spot is. I do remember pretty clearly two different referees with two different spots. One guy had spotted him well short of the line. Another guy had him pretty close to the line, I think. Um, talked to some guys, some people from Parkview after the game. They say that he was two yards over the line. Not sure if he was that far over, but... Obviously a pivotal play that came with less than a minute left, so you're thinking that if a few things go Parkview's way, they might be able to score and at least tie that game with an extra point, possibly have a chance to win it with a two-point conversion. But you never really know. You can trace a few things back to that, you know, the drive that Archer scored on. Uh, Andrew Booth maybe has a foot in the end zone when he catches the kickoff. He returned that kickoff to the 50 or past midfield, so that's a huge play too. Not to take anything away from what Archer did, because that was an incredible game by Archer and an incredible game by their defense, which when the offense was struggling early in the game, Archer was able to, uh, I mean, their defense scored points for them. They had Emmanuel Michelle with a fumble recovery, recovery of a fumbled snap uh, in the end zone for uh, Archer's first points. And then Samaje Banks, who by the numbers he had about, I think, a little bit less than 100 yards but really grinded out, uh, just sort of controlled the ball for Archer's offense in that second half. And that was just so huge, the fact that they could give to him reliably and um, uh, just kind of count on him. Before we kind of get into more discussion in this game, let's uh, hear what Coach Andy Dyer had to say. I also talked to Carter Peavy and Braylon Weems about the game too. Uh, we can talk about what the defense did in a second, but a few huge plays on that offensive drive. Yeah, I mean, you know, last yeah, I mean, the whole game turned into a game of of, uh, of momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had it, then they got it, and then we had it, and then they got it there in the second half. And, and uh, tribute to our kids, we, man. There was a, you know, every time that happens, you got, you know, your kids got an opportunity to, to kind of lay down, and our kids just step right back up. And uh, you know, credit to Coach Godfrey, and uh, what a, what a great job he's doing. With 
his guys and just competing and, and uh, you know, hey, you can't say enough about the character of our seniors and Carter stepped up, made some just enormous plays, uh, and, you know, had a couple big plays there late in the secondary, just knocking some balls down. So, um, you know, hey, I told him last week the only stat that matters at this point is a W, and so uh, you got to survive in advance, and we did that tonight. Did you like the effort from Samaje, particularly in the second half? I did. You know, he 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 really he really turned. You know, I told him I said you're gonna have to give you a great mud back tonight because this surface wasn't great, and I uh, said so just keep your pads north and south and play football. And uh, so, man, what a great job he did. On defensive front. I think in the second half, Brown had that one yard or one long run, but didn't really kind of held him uh, prevented some big. In the second half, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, yeah, no, we just went. You know, you just got to execute, and uh, we didn't execute on offense. And you know, it's, it's not in football. You don't go changing game plans. You got to execute what you what you're supposed to do. And so, when you're not playing well, it's because of lack of execution. So, uh, we, we settled down, and, and we did we did just enough to make it happen. Can you talk me through the play, you and Braylon connecting on the sideline. Uh, uh, Braylon, um, say he was one on one on the backside. There was no safety help. So, uh, I mean. I'm, I have ultimate faith in him. I mean, he's just a, he's one of our best athletes, and I just know that anytime he's one-on-one, -on -one, I like what I see. So I just uh, threw it up to him, and he went and made a play, so that was good. Uh, I've been waiting to make a play. I mean, he was, just, he was down. It shocked us that long run. Uh, he just called my number. I just tried my best to answer for my guys. Mm -hmm. What's the mindset of the offense when you guys are getting back on the field and know you got to score on that drive? My the score is uh, – Anyway, any way possible, just just score and get the win. I mean, how confidence boosting is this win for you guys now? Moving into next week here. Oh, it means a lot. It shows it shows a lot about our team, our our heart, and how hard we play, no matter what the scoreboard says. Yes, so the play that Carter Peavy and Braylon Weems are referring to, you can read in the game story on GwinnettPrepSports.com. But uh, you know, archers just penalized uh, at midfield. They're kind of pushed back to. Uh, close to their, close to the 50, and um, Art PV finds Weems in single coverage on the left side. Weems kind of gets an arm's distance away from his defender, uh, catches the ball falling down towards the sideline, stays in bounds to make a great catch, and that really took the, the wind out of Parkview's defense at that point. I think just kind of so frustrated that they'd given up that big play. Samaje Banks scores pretty much on the next play after that. So um, that really changed the game. There were so many good plays in this game for, for both teams. Um, you can trace it back to an 86-yard run by Cody Brown that really, you know, if Parkview doesn't score that quickly, uh, you never know if there's if the uh, Panthers even have a chance to try to come back in this game. So he scores a quick touchdown. He had a carry on fourth and six, and then another on fourth and goal that ended up being a touchdown that, uh, you know, just such a great game for him. Um Two great teams. It was just such a fun game to watch. Uh, it was kind of almost a shame that it ended in the sort of subjective way that it did because you want such a decisive result with these two teams too. Yeah, I was at the Decula game, but I was watching on my phone the whole time, checking out that game. I wanted to see Archer Parkview, and it, it certainly lived up to the to the hype ahead of time. Uh, yeah, like you said, you hate to see a game end like that on a controversial call. My first thought seeing it on my phone was that he did get the first down, uh, just a, a quick glance. Quick glance. Uh, uh, it's been a lot of talk afterwards about that. Unfortunately, it's taken away from the game. But two great teams playing playing hard, making a lot of plays on both sides of the ball. Uh, and kudos to Archer. I was out there talking to those guys uh, 
today, and that was obviously a huge win. They get a home playoff game out of it now. Uh, but a great play, I think, by uh, by Braylon Williams, and a great throw by Carter Peavy on the decisive play in the game. Uh, Braylon did a nice job. He made a play on the ball, and defensive back never turned around to kind of make a play on it. He, uh, he just found a way to catch it down there, and uh, that was so, totally the dagger that kind of put that game away for Archer. And uh, then the defense stepped up and uh, did leave a lot of time for Parkview, a minute and a half or so for Parkview to come back down and score. But uh, the defense got the job done, uh, forced him into that third, fourth down play, and, uh, and certainly it was right at the sticks with the uh, with the catch by Malik Washington. But two great football teams. You hate to see them meet that early in the playoffs. I think both these teams could have gone a long way. Yeah, um, when you look at this Parkview team, they're going to miss a lot of guys on that team, losing Malik Washington, arguably their best athlete. Another guy, Bryce Wilson, up front on defense it will be gone. Um, and some guys in that defensive backfield, I know, uh, Matthew Chavers, we'll see him come track and field season mm-hmm. where he'll, I'm sure he'll be contending for some state titles. But uh, so much speed in that defensive backfield, they're going to miss some of those guys. But you look at this Parkview team that returned just Malik Washington as a starter on offense. Uh they feel like they're kind of ahead of schedule to me. Just a first-year quarterback, Jordan Williams has shown that he's really advanced uh, as a junior. Uh, he'll have his senior season coming up. And then we've got a guy that, when you talk to people at Parkview, I know that a lot of people really like. His name's TJ Williams, mm-hmm. a freshman, uh, really lit up the JV teams this year. And I'm sure that he might even get a little bit of a role, just his athleticism. You can see that maybe next year. Uh, but Cody Brown is just a sophomore and had just a – you know, what could might be end up being just an accolade-collecting season for the young guy, and he's got two more years left. Uh, Kobe Wilson, great def- uh, linebacker, he's got another year left, and some of those other defensive backs are, are still pretty young too. So Parkview, you know, I know it's probably disappointing because they get to 11-0 and and really feel like that they can make a nice run and it ends short, but I feel like I had a schedule to me, uh, that, that team. Archer, uh, meanwhile, is going to, move on to face Tift County. So we've got two teams facing teams from Region 1. It's going to be the number one seed from Region 1. North is going to face Colquitt, and then Archer is going to get Tift County, which got in on the at-large bid because there's only four teams in that region, and so three make the playoffs. So uh, Tift County, kind of the the at-large bid team, but would probably have been a playoff team uh, in any other region, you have to think. But uh, let's keep moving with uh, the recaps here. We'll stick go head to your game, Decula. An Alatuna game where, um, uh, you know, Alatuna, I think, kind of pushed Akula kind of late in this game a little bit. Yeah, it was uh, straight out the gates. Akula really just dominated from the start. Uh, got up 20 to nothing after a first quarter. Uh, scored uh, scored on a play right at the end of the first quarter uh, on an untimed down, and it's 20 to nothing, and you think, uh, man, is going to run away with this. And for the better part of uh, three quarters and into the fourth quarter, they were up 28 to 7. You're thinking they're going to cruise, and then. Uh, Altoona got the running game cranking there late in the fourth quarter, added a couple touchdowns, and uh, sort of forced Decula to run out the clock there at the end. So it got a little closer than, than maybe people thought, but it's a pretty good Altoona football team that they played. I think they were kind of surprised to build up that kind of a lead on Altoona. They thought it was going to be a four-quarter war, and it ended up being pretty tight there, there at the end, but just a great job of Decula throughout the game. Uh, the defense played really well. Had a couple of bad possessions on defense in the fourth quarter while Altoona got Couple, couple of drives on them, but uh, throughout the game, the defense really dominated, made plays, kept Altoona behind the sticks a, a lot of the night. And that's a team that's going to run the ball about 80, 85% of the time, so that made it tough. And there, uh, Altoona was put in those situations, and uh, DeCue's offense did what it needed to do uh, down the stretch to, to put the game away. Yeah, um, you can kind of just point to a, f- a few stats here. Another pretty efficient day, it looked like, for uh, um, 
uh, Jenkins with a seven seven to twelve passing. Um, they had like a what I guess ended up being probably a pretty big uh, two point conversion there late in the game and. Um, Alatuna, yeah, kind of scores, has 14 points in that fourth quarter, whereas Dekula kind of got shut out in that second half. So uh, definitely um, big to build up that lead early in the game. And uh, let's hear what uh, Coach Clint Jenkins and uh, Chris Smith had to say after the win on uh, on Friday night. Any general thoughts? I mean, you get the kids to get back in the quarterfinals. What, what does that mean? I'm mean, just super proud of our guys. I mean, we had to we beat a really good football team out here tonight and, and had to gut it out there to the end. So, you know, faced a little bit of adversity. Put a lot, put some of it on ourselves, uh, which you can't do. Uh, but, like I said, kids fought through it and couldn't be proud of them. So. Well, what about that start there? I mean, you couldn't uh, imagine 20 nothing after a quarter is a pretty good way to get yeah, together. I mean, it, like I said, it jumped all over them. And, and again, you know, we wanted to come out and try to mirror that in the second half. And, but but again, Altoona was a good football team, so you know, they, you're not going. We knew we knew they wasn't going away. So we just, like I said, just just proud our kids. Really had had two bad drives on defense, kind of, you know, and, and then we're able to hold at the end. So uh, like I said, really excited, great to be going back quarter. So <laughs> should I mean, if it holds up like it does and Valdosta wins, what what does it mean to not only host here but host a, a program like Valdosta? Yeah, pretty, pretty cool. My dad coached at Valdosta, so. Uh, to, to be able to go against the Cats and be be pretty cool. Yeah. How, how long was your dad there? Uh, dad, dad was there for just a couple of years. Okay. Uh, he, he was on the original staff and Coach Hyder. Went down. Dad coached with Coach Hyder at West Rome and then went on that staff or down there. So, But uh, like I said, once you've been to Valdosta, it's, I mean, it's, it's it, football is king. Well, I guess first of all, talk about that, that first quarter, man. What was it like to jump out like that and you can get things going the right the right way? Uh, well, as everybody knows, we had a bad taste in our mouth from last year, so everybody had to put on the gas pedal since the opening kickoff. What did it? Uh, how about the ending there? It got a little, got a little tense. So. Uh, the ending, it was crazy, but I thank God that He gave us that uh, win. You know, we came through on defense, and the offense held the ball as long as we needed it. So, Cuba, one of two of our teams, Lanier, also was paired up with the team. Um, from the same region, Alatuna and Harrison coming from the same region. And um, uh, really, all all four of the teams from that region moved on. I believe Creekview and Sequoia are the other two. Mm. All four of those teams moved on to the second round. So you're talking about a team in Alatuna that was a four seed, but really um, didn't – or was Alatuna the – Alatuna must have been the, the two-seed or four-seed yeah. – two-seed or three-seed if yeah. they're playing uh, Tequila. But team moving on uh, – I think maybe Harrison was the four seed actually, but you know didn't play Lanier like a four right. seed. They had a pretty strong team there. Um, for Decula, uh, tough matchup. It looks like they get Valdosta now in round mm-hmm. two. And uh, Valdosta, when you hear that name, you just think about mm-hmm. the history. But uh, Decula's been—it's hard to find a more consistent team in this county than Decula. Just really since non-region play uh, ended, I think. Yeah. Um, Let's keep moving. Let's uh, go to Class 7A. We've got North Gwinnett uh, with a win over West Forsyth. Um, sets up a rematch of the state championship last year against Colquitt County. That was a 41-7 to win for North Gwinnett, a uh, game where um, we had North kind of starts out 14 points in the first quarter. Um, we had a touchdown pass to Josh Downs in the first quarter, and then he threw a pass or tr- touchdown pass uh 
two touchdown passes, sorry, for Josh Downs in the first quarter. And then um, really the running game seemed to sort of take it away from there with uh, another good day for Taylor Goodson, Devin Crosby. Just that tandem is just pretty hard to stop, it seems like. Um, you know, really, uh, I think Coach Stewart even recognizes in the game story from this game. Uh, if you haven't read it, you can read it, Scott Smith's story on GwinnettPrepSports.com. But, uh, you know, he kind of knows that everyone's going to be looking at this matchup now. And uh, kind of we've seen with Arch- Archer and Parkview meeting in round two, now North Gwinnett and Colquitt meeting. Uh, in the quarterfinals here, just a lot of er- good early matchups here. And it kind of, you know, you wonder if the field sort of thins out with all these teams meeting so early. But maybe it's just coincidence happening uh, to, to some of our local teams here. But another pretty decisive win for North Gwinnett, which has been playing pretty much flawless, it seems like, uh, since that loss to Walton, I think. Yeah, kudos to North Gwinnett for taking care of business because the, they've been playing a lot of opponents lately that they kind of overmatch. Uh, I think, again, they got the easiest out of the second round draws. Not that West Forsyth's a bad team, but certainly it's a team, not a team North Gwinnett should lose to, and uh, they showed it and took care of business. Going to get considerably tougher here with a rematch against Colquitt. It's going to be a very motivated team playing at home down there after what happened in the uh, championship game last year. So North's going to have to bring it for real. Uh, it's going to be a very serious game, serious atmosphere. Um, there can't be any mistakes in this one. Got to play clean football, and hopefully they'll come back from uh, South Georgia with a win. I know they'd rather be playing in Swanee, but uh, sometimes you got to hit those South Georgia road trips here when we get in the later rounds, and uh, hopefully North Gwinnett shows out well and, and represents down there. Yeah, um, kind of reminds me of a North Gwinnett game uh, – probably about 10 years ago now at this point, but uh, a game where uh, North travels down to Lowndes. And uh, I think that was probably the last time North Gwinnett had to go that far south, if I remember, um, down, down the, towards Valdosta. But uh, that was for a state championship game in the pouring rain and a uh, really you know, hard-fought game there. That would have been, I think, 2008 or so maybe. Yeah. But um, here's a Class 6A game. So we've got two Class 6A teams Still in the uh, in in the uh, running here, and Lanier pulled out a win against Harrison, thirty-five to twenty-three. So, uh, good day for Zach Calzada, which I think as Calzada goes, Lanier goes. Sometimes if he's having a good day, this Lanier team's pretty tough to beat with that defense. But ran in a touchdown in the third quarter, and then uh, another run in the fourth quarter, um, and uh, but he'd already scored in the second quarter before that as well. So. Uh, three touchdown runs for Calzada, and uh, Lanier gets to move on now. Uh, Lanier is going to – I'm sort of blanking on their third-round opponent here. Lanier has uh, coffee. Coffee. Coffee, coffee yeah. yeah, coffee. So um, hey. Lanier just – I mean, I think you can just talk about the – you know, this was a pretty tough Harrison offense to actually even really – put up that many points on Lanier, 23 points. That's the most we've seen teams score against Lanier in, in a little while, at least in the first couple rounds of the state championship here. So uh, good thing for Lanier because they're going to have a, a tough road against Coffee now in the next round here. Yeah, it's a, it's a good uh, Lanier offense, I think, with, with uh, Calzada throwing it like that because they've really developed a running game lately. Taj Barnes had another uh, big game in this one running the ball. He's maybe the, the key offensively this week, the, the numbers he was able to put up. Um, and yeah, like like you said, a Harrison offense that's kind of potent, but this is a huge win for the Longhorns. It's a major milestone. They've never been to the quarterfinals. It's always been a second round stumbling block for Lanier. Uh, they've had some really good teams, just haven't been able to push past that point. So I know it's a big milestone for those guys to finally make it to the quarterfinals. This is going to be their uh, first week ever practicing on Thanksgiving, so that's a, a fun tradition for anybody that's still around and still playing football this week, having that Thursday morning practice on Thanksgiving. So uh, kudos to the Longhorns. It's exciting for them, and hopefully they can keep this run going. 
Yeah, let's uh, go back to Class 7A now where Greason keeps moving on. You know, that I think that maybe we've been a little bit unfair to Grayson recently just because of the way they win, but a win's a win, so you got to take it. This one was a little bit kind of the same way where, you know, the first half we see Grayson uh, tied with Norcross 10 to, or, or actually down a point to Norcross right. 10 to 9. And then um, the Rams really just kind of take over in the third quarter. And there was, you know, pulled out 21 to 0 third quarter against Norcross. And, uh, you know, Blue Devils just never really had a chance to kind of fight back in it. But uh, good game for, uh, for Grayson. Uh, you know, Lewis Williams. Uh, Kind of wraps up a pretty solid career at Norcross. I think he finished that game 11 of 31 for 111 yards. Um, for Grayson, uh, just kind of when you look at the recap, just guys all over. But defensive touchdowns for Grayson in the third quarter. Jalen Alexander uh, recovered two fumbles, returned them for touchdowns. Um, and then uh, Trey Brown, a 28-yard interception return. So Grayson, another one of those teams in the county that seems like the de- defense has really been able to sort of pulled the offense through some games, and you've seen that in games against Marietta, another one against Westlake, uh, and perhaps the defense could have maybe could have hold, held on against Colquitt uh, had it been a different day for uh, the offense, but it had um, the offense got shut out in the second half of that game, so tough to win that one, but Grayson pretty much looks uh, you know in full force here, and I kind of like the Rams down the road here to make a pretty good run, whereas I think earlier we weren't seeing as much consistency, but Grayson's kind of proved that throw first half out the door because they'll make the adjustments they need to in the second half. Here. Yeah, the defense and special teams was excellent in this one. That, that was the big key for, for the, the being down at halftime. It was kind of shocking to a lot of people, but like we said about Norcross all year, they're not afraid of anybody. They'll, they'll play some of these teams close. They hadn't really been able to put it together for four quarters, but they've they've challenged a lot of really good teams. Parkview's in that bunch. I think uh, a lot of teams at Norcross came close to knocking off that, that you may be thought they might have a chance but Grayson like you said really turned it on in the second half and uh, it's a team that's got a lot of talent uh, certainly you want to shake off some of these slow starts that they've been having lately uh, I know the first half hadn't been great in a couple of these games so when you when you get down the road and you're playing a Colquitt County or a team like that you can't afford these slow starts to build deficits uh, even if you are Grayson so I know Coach Honeycutt and those guys would like to start off a little better maybe jump up on these teams instead of having to fight back like they have been. Let's uh, move to Class 5A now one of our teams that's still going and uh, kind of had a conversation in the Parkview press box on Friday that we felt like this might be uh, Buford's toughest game, this one against Kel, uh, kind of on its road. And it's kind of hard to tell because a lot of the 5-8, you know, we have just one 5-8 team. Most of the ones that we get to see are the ones that Buford plays. But uh, got a 44-11 win over Kel in a game where uh, Buford actually went up uh, 28-0 to and just kind of was able to cruise. But another awesome game for Darian Brown. Uh, two touchdowns in the second quarter, added another one in the third quarter, just a really dominant day for him. Uh, he's been uh, kind of just as consistent as anyone in the county and kind of making his campaign the Texas commit for uh, Offensive Player of the Year for sure. But uh, Buford uh, gets to uh, move on now, and um, kind of the question is uh, who's going to kind of give Buford its first challenge? We, yeah. thought, we thought there was a chance that Kel might actually push this one to – uh, you know, maybe keep it within a score late, uh, late in this game or in the second half. But Buford just kind of got gets off to such a fast start. I think when you play defense like that, it's super discouraging if you're uh, uh, on offense when you can't get those first few drives and you get down because Buford's offense is so consistent. And it's just a perfect formula for the Wolves that they're able to just produce points consistently early in the game, get teams down, and then it's so hard to kind of convince yourself you can climb back out against Buford, especially – 
uh, when you're playing in that stadium too. Yeah, you got the quarterback back now, so that's going to make a more complete team. Uh, that's a t- he can run the ball and maybe better than people realize, and certainly throws the ball well. He's uh, he really brings a different dimension because that running game without that big offensive line is going to be strong every week. And, and Darian Brown, I think as the games get more important and bigger, he's going to get a lot more carries. They're going to be a lot more involved in the offense. So, but he's not the only playmaker they have up there at Buford. There's a lot of guys that can get it done. And like you said, we may be looking forward down the road to Buford Rome showdown that's going to decide the championship again. Let's go uh, back to Class Seven A. Had a team get knocked out in uh, at Milton. It was Mill Creek, and Mill Creek is. Uh, their season is over, a good season for Mill Creek, and uh, another one of the county's best running backs, Chancellor Lee Parker. Good game for Parker Robel, who's a guy who was kind of off and on early in the season, but as soon as he came back and was fully healthy, he was just so important for Mill Creek, and he had 86 yards on seven carries and 45, nine, or 49 more receiving yards uh, on five receptions. So, uh, to, you know, really um, great uh, um Versatile guy like that, like Parker Robel, invaluable for the Hawks. But, um, you know, lots been made of a Milton quarterback because he's committed to a local school here, Georgia Tech. But he kind of really showed what he was uh, what he's made of in this game. But this was close in the first half. It was only 10-3 to game. Problem was Mill Creek's offense just kind of had trouble getting close enough to get scores. So Milton's defense, uh, you know, Maybe a team that I was a little suspect about because of the the schedule that they have during region play. Hard to tell how tough that team is when they um, are beating up on teams that bad. But for you to beat Mill Creek, a team that kind of pushed North Gwinnett even uh, even harder than uh, it was able to push Milton in this game, um, that's pretty impressive for Mill Creek. But also kind of shows how strong Milton was as a team. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think Mill Creek uh, liked the way they played defensively. I think they played tough enough. They're putting a lot of bad spots, and the defense played pretty well. It's definitely a big challenge. They gave up a lot of passing yards, which has kind of been the Achilles heel for Mill Creek. They've been really good against the run and giving up some big pass plays, and then that was the case again uh, this week, giving up the touchdowns uh, and the big pass plays. But defense did a nice job. I think offensively for Mill Creek, the issue is once again uh, a little more, little one-dimensional there running the ball really well. And I know Chancellor Lee Parker probably still wasn't 100% with his ankle issue. Uh, Robo had another big game. He's only a junior. He'll be coming back next year. They'll kind of build around him. But uh, I think just not being able to throw the ball uh, downfield like they've been able to do in the past is a, is a big part of why this team wasn't able to have quite the amount of offensive success it's had in the past. But maybe been a little bit more balanced uh, in previous years. Uh, let's go to Class 3A, a game that really kind of shocked me, if, I, if I'm honest. So uh, GAC that had been just kind of cruising uh, loses to Westminster 44-34. to and that's a second-round knockout for uh, GAC, a game where uh, GAC gets behind pretty uh, pretty early. They're down 14-0, to kind of able to answer, but then they're down 21-7. to uh, Westminster rattles off two more touchdowns in the second quarter, and uh, GAC, uh, you know, that was the last touchdown that GAC would allow, but um, still kind of conceding points on field goals. They got three field goals uh in the second, third, and fourth quarters combined, so uh, including a 52-yarder uh, for the uh, Westminster kicker there, which was, uh, um, you know, ended up being a 10-point game. But when, in the grand scheme of things, when you hit one that early and GAC is sort of rolling, I think that that might that kick might be uh, pretty meaningful. But tough loss for GAC. That's the second time they lost to Westminster this year. And I think the first game we were all kind of of the. Uh, thought that uh, maybe GAC probably shouldn't have lost that game just because a couple broken plays uh, led to uh, touchdowns and uh, you know GAC uh, 
if you don't account for those, then GSU wins pretty handily. But this Westminster team actually, you know, proves to be pretty tough and uh, just kind of shows how just sort of clustered that Class 3A is with all these great teams and a little bit of reclassifications moves some teams into Class 3A. And uh, the, the parity in that, uh, in that classification, I think, is uh, pretty large, especially particularly this year if you're knocking at GAC that early with all the talent that they had. Yes, yeah, it's a Westminster team that won state not too not too long ago. Westminster has a state title, so it's a program with a lot of tradition over there, and uh, certainly got a lot of history with GAC. Had some battles over the years, and uh, I think GAC just kind of came out and got punched in the nose in this one right off the bat, and, and built a huge deficit. And by the time GAC got got to fighting back and made it an interesting ball game, uh, the deficit was just so huge it was unable to come back and uh, and play i think it's very shocking for gac i I think they didn't expect to lose this ball game and certainly a lot of us didn't either uh but but great job by those guys to continue fighting uh, after getting down so big it could have been easy easy to fold up but they battle back and sort of try to make a challenge there at the end do the best they could but just came a little short on the comeback all right class 1a uh the all those seasons are officially over so wesleyan uh loses to prince avenue 42 to 27 um, maybe the silver lining is in this game a pretty nice uh, you know, final game for senior J.D. Cavill, a guy that wrote a feature about earlier, just super smart, thoughtful dude, and had a couple of third-quarter touchdowns, um, one on a reception, another one on a run. And uh, part of what made Cavill so great for Wesleyan is just his kind of versatility, and he plays both sides of the field, too. He's a DB as well, so that kind of illustrates that for sure. But for Wesleyan, a team that I think is pretty young and has a small senior class, you can kind of compare them to Parkview in that way, where the guys, that, the seniors that they had played super key roles, but try to kind of fit them in. And I think we can see Wesleyan even doing pretty well next year. And uh, these days, Wesleyan uh, seems to be a, like you know a regular in the playoffs, but a deep run, and maybe they can uh, uh, challenge some teams uh, down the road with. Hopefully they get a little favorable matchup here in the second round because in Class 1A it's just kind of tough to beat those teams coming off a bye, I think. Yeah, there's no shame in this loss for Wesleyan. I think they challenged a team that a lot of people expected to, that they were going to dominate Wesleyan. But Wesleyan fought, made it a very close game. Uh, and very very solid future over there at Wesleyan. The freshman quarterback, French, had a great season. And, uh, and a solid foundation. Franklin Bridgen has been there as long as any current Gwinnett coach. He's a guy that's been there, been there for years. Doesn't look like he's going to go anywhere. Uh, much like a lot of Wesleyan coaches don't go anywhere. They've kind of set the foundation in a lot of sports. Uh, they enjoy it over there. There's a lot of tradition over there. And, uh, and this program's not going to go anywhere. It'll just be a matter of reloading a little bit, uh, have some new faces in the lineup. But definitely a lot of young talent got on the field this year, so a lot to look forward to. And uh, last game was uh, Hebron. So got the first playoff win in school history last week, and then it ends there. I think for the third straight time ends against Savannah Christian. So uh, you talk about sort of a, a rivalry brewing really authentically here that Savannah Christian and Hebron kind of want to see more matchups, maybe can get some regular season matchups yeah. for them. It's just a pity they're kind of so far away. It's, with those things, it kind of comes down to just the playoffs and meeting up. But uh, this was a 14-7 to wins for Savannah Christian, so Hebron – just was always in it with these games and maybe um you know they're certainly going to lose some seniors that they're going to miss and jeffrey saturday was arguably uh one of the best players i know another wide receiver they've got will warbington and then some seniors on the defensive side too that they're going to miss um particularly some linebackers and defensive linemen but uh really kind of an impressive hebron team this year that 
you can kind of say, like, wonder what would have been if a few of those games had gone the other way, maybe. And that's uh, just a matter of just a couple of plays going right in a few games here or there. Um, but Hebron uh, overall finishes the season, uh, I think, pretty strongly. And uh, just, you know, the fact that the program's on the up and up here with that playoff win kind of signals that maybe there's some, still some good things to come here. Our quarterback's still pretty young, too. I think maybe even just a sophomore. sophomore so. yeah. Uh, looks good for looks good for Heber moving forward right now. I think so. There's a that's kind of a breakthrough year in a lot of ways. Certainly the the most noteworthy is winning that first playoff game. But you look at this team, it's uh, it's kind of the beginning of something special. I think I think it's we're on the very front end of what's going to become Heber in the next few years. There's a lot of young talent coming up. Logan Johnson's a receiver that's pretty good over there. Good return guy too. So a, a lot of kids that are coming up through that program that are players. Uh, and I think Coach Saturday's doing it the right way over there. He's going to build up some uh, some players and some talent, some tradition over there at Heber. And I look for this team in the next several years to maybe make a little bit of a deeper run in the playoffs and and build on that first victory yeah and that's all of our recaps for round two so uh tune in on thursday for our well we'll figure it out actually thursday's thanksgiving but uh the the uh, playoff preview we will have up before all the games start on friday night